Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512 836 0590, pound 590 on your wireless, or toll free 1 877 590 KLBJ. Well, good morning. Yeah, it was misting out there, a little bit promising, misting when I drove in to the station today. I'm Cheryl McLaughlin. This is the Austin Gardener, as you probably heard. And we're here to talk about your landscaping, gardening, questions, input, what have you. Um, the numbers to call if you want to join the show, 512-836-0590. That's a call or text number. And then we have a toll-free number, which is 877-590-5525. So again, 512-836-0590, call or text, or 877-590-5525, which is, again, the toll-free line. So it's really starting to look like fall out there, right? I mean, the leaves are actually falling, falling off the, the trees, Um so that's what you should be expecting. I saw a text about somebody uh, sent Jeff a picture of some Pride of Barbados, little ones in pots, and like, what's wrong? My leaves are falling off. That's normal. Uh, it's going to happen. And, you know, as the light changes and the weather cools off, uh, that's what they do. So we're getting some good color. My my cherry has really good color this year. I was surprised. And my neighbor's red oak has great color. So um, it's a really good time to look around and see what colors uh, are happening in nature and that can give you an idea of what plants you might want to add to your, um, you know, to your yard this time of year. If you'd like to get some fall color, even cedar elms get pretty kind of yellowy gold fall color but your best ones are going to be your flame leaf sumacs your red oaks um what else gets good color um my cherry escarpment choke cherry or also known as black cherry uh, that's a, a native plant around here and then you get other you get color from other wonderful plants and not just leaf color but fall blooming color so much pretty stuff blooming this time of year. Like, for instance, Mexican bush sage, classic. Uh, Mexican mint marigold, copper canyon daisy, my white mist flowers blooming. My, uh, oh, um, shoot, the name went right out of my head. Um, I have a, another tree, smoke tree. My smoke tree gets beautiful fall color, and it's really turning now. So, and other things are still blooming. The salvia gregii is still blooming. Um, some lantanas are still blooming, although mine are not. My anisocanthus is still blooming. Uh, and this is when you're going to get the beautiful, the gulf muley. I've been seeing that blooming around. That's a great grass, by the way. Um, so, in other words, just be observant. And all the nurseries are pretty much having sales right now. Uh, so you can go and you can even see things in color uh, that are, you know, going to get fall color. Even Mexican plums get pretty fall color. Okay, let's go to Round Rock for our first caller. Hey, Jim, how's it going? I'm good. Uh, 
question. Uh, last year during that big freeze, I lost uh, a lot of shade tree, which has affected my uh, Japanese maple quite a bit. It kind of burned it up. Yeah. My question is, should I move this thing, or, or is it going to adapt a little bit, or what do you think? Well, how old is it? How long has it been in there? Uh, I've had it for probably five or six years. It's It's about six feet tall. I honestly don't think that it's ever going to adapt if it's now full sun. I think it's going to yeah. always burn it up. So yeah. either move it or or buy something big enough to shade it, you know, to replace that tree that you lost. Or if you just lost branches, I don't know, which was it? Well, I, I lost branches that shaded it. Mm-hmm. So, so what am I looking at to, you think to there's move no- this thing just... Well, yeah, it's probably, I'd move it at the end of winter uh, uh-huh. before, you know, right before sap starts to rise again. Uh, so end of February, early March. Um, and you got to get all the all the roots you can. Can you yeah. dig pretty well in your yard or is it rocky? It, it's in my yard. yard. Is, is it rocky? On the edge of there's it's a lot of rock, yes. Yeah, well, see, that's going to be an issue, too. Um, getting those roots out from in and among all those rocks, that's the tricky part. And if you can't get a good, deep root ball, there, it's probably not going to, you know, do you any but good. To, yeah, but to do nothing, uh, it's probably not. Not unless that tree's putting off new branches in the right direction. I mean, you could, if you see something coming along that you think might develop, you could build it a shade structure, you know, put some shade cloth on some pipes or something and try to protect it that way. But I'm pretty sure, I mean, I've never, the only Japanese maple I've ever seen in sun was uh, the big blood good maple. Uh, it was a house down in Terrytown, but it, you have the dwarf one. Uh, I don't know for sure. Well, how tall would you say it is? It's good six, seven feet right now. Yeah, that's that's a dwarf one. That's my favorite ones. Yeah. But they do not like the full, you know, Texas summer. Well, I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Well, I guess I'll try to move it. <laughs> yeah. So, I would. See hey, what happens? Is it raining up there? Just sprinkle. Just sprinkle. Okay. Well, okay, listen, so. good luck with that. You may want to get some help. I will, for uh, sure. All right, Jim. Thanks for your call. Okay, thank you. All right. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, that is a common problem since we had the ice storm and so many trees lost their branches. And, as you know, I talked about it a lot. I've got a full sun area that was full shade before. Um and it's, you know, definitely an issue. Uh, so a lot of plants got shocked all of a sudden, like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't plan on living out here in August in the full sun. So, yeah, sometimes you got to maneuver around that kind of stuff. Okay, it's time for our first break. We'll be back right after this. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512 836 0590, pound 590 on your wireless, or toll free 1 877 590 KLBJ. Welcome, welcome, welcome. 
All right. I like that one. Okay, we are back. And if you want to join the show, 512-836-0590. That's the call or text number. And uh, I got a text here that says, uh, good morning, Cheryl. We have this pink lemon tree that I've talked to you about, and it finally gave us fruit this year. Yay. My husband and I noticed this one new shoot of new growth, and the leaves are almost white. It's the lightest pale yellow color, and it's the only one like that. The branch itself and leaves look healthy. Just wondering what exactly this is. And fingers crossed it's not some sort of disease. Also, clearly this thing has gotten very big. Tall, mostly. When can we trim this back and how exactly do we go about picking and choosing limbs? We need this mammoth to fit in our shed for the winter. So with it being almost 10 feet tall, that's not really an option. I'd move it into the house, but my cats have way too much fun with indoor plants. (laughs) Thanks, Ashley and Dripping. Um, listen, you can cut that, um, that really tall shoot. As far as the white branch coming out, I think it will turn green, but it never would hurt to put, um, to give it a little drench of, uh, nitrogen, right? So either do some, uh, specif- specific citrus fertilization or give it some seaweed, give it some fish emulsion, something like that. Um, but they will, uh, the, the, it's fine to cut that big one in half so you can get it into the greenhouse. And just in general, people, when you have a plant that has an intrusive branch, you know, for instance, if it's going across your driveway or impeding the walkway or what have you, it's always okay to cut that branch. And of course, you know, with oak trees, there's uh, times of the year when you want to you know, paint the uh, the wounds, specifically in the spring. Uh, but otherwise, if you don't need the branch or if it is not, uh, you know, possible to fit it into your greenhouse, then cut it back. And as far as what you can choose, looking at it, it only looks like that particular gigantic uh, branch would need to be uh, cut back. And it can still go ahead, that plant, and, re- and produce fruit the next year, even if you cut that back. So that's the good news. So I just cut it to where you can fit it in the greenhouse and uh, give it a little dose of something that's uh, nitrogen-related. Maybe that'll help green that plant up. But I have a feeling that'll green up. I don't think it's any kind of uh, problem. Uh, it's just an anomalous thing. Uh, here's another text. When should this non-tropical hibiscus be trimmed? It's a 15-year-old faithful bloomer. Thank you. Um, it's in a container, so I'm assuming you bring it in in the winter. I don't know if it loses all its leaves, but typically what would happen with this hibiscus is it would defoliate naturally in the fall. And then uh, when it's fully dormant, before spring, like the end of February, you can cut it back um, as much as you want. Um, you can trim it pretty good. Hibiscus typically really like to be trimmed. So, yeah, and it's a gorgeous specimen, right? Can you give us 
an azomite 101. How often should we add it to our gardens? At what rate? What is the most abundant nutrient present in this stuff? I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up. I do not know azomite. Um, and I'll try to I'll try to look it up during the break if I can. I don't get a good signal in here. That's the problem. It's hard to Google or do anything like that. Um, so anyway, if you want to call, call in 512-836-0590, or you can also use that number to text. And then um, we have that toll-free line, which is 877-590-5525. So this is still, so what are we, November 19th today? It's a great time to plant trees. It's a great time to plant hardy perennials. As I said last week, I don't know if I told you this last week, but my daughter did a big planting this past, yeah, it was just this past Wednesday. So I didn't talk about it last week, but she had, I I think I did, she found a good sale really good sale. And I mean, these plants were stunning. She got the most beautiful specimen, compact cherry laurel, wax myrtle, the prettiest anacacho orchid I have ever seen. Uh, It was just gorgeous. She got a little red oak. She got a Mexican plum and then a whole bunch of little stuff like Greg's mist flower and a couple of Alamo vines and some coneflower. So these hardy Texas perennials can go in the ground right now, and you're going to get the best deals this time of year uh, because the nurseries, you know, they don't want to have to take care of this stuff all winter. And like at Hill Country, they don't have enough uh, space in their greenhouse. They're going to have to get a new, bigger greenhouse to keep all this stuff. So they need to sell it. So, and I think every nursery in town, you you know, none of them are advertising, but uh, Hill Country. But I think that pretty much all of them is, are in the same boat, right? I know when I was a grower, that was definitely my goal and had retail nurseries. I wanted to get rid of as much as I could. Um, let's see here if we have another text. Okay. Do I cut my pride of Barbados back for the winter? It is two to three feet high now. I have been adding seaweed to the ground. Also, do I cover it for the winter? Um, No, you don't have to cover it. If it's well established, I don't know how long you've had it, but two to three feet, you've probably had at least a couple of years, I would think. Um, But you definitely uh, don't have to cut it back and you don't have to cover it. They're all over town. And once it's well established, now you didn't say how long it's been in the ground. If you just planted it, you got a big one and you just planted it, um, let me know that uh, because I might have a different um, a different answer for you. If, if it's brand new, it's kind of a, a tropical plant, but it's, as you can see, well adapted for here. Um, but no, people, not everybody cuts them back, right? All right, let's see here. Here's another. Oh, she said she's had it since August. Okay. It should be well established by now. I think, I mean, the main thing is if it's got a good root system going on, uh, I think it'll be fine. I don't think you have to cover it. I mean, I guess if we got an incredible 
horrible thing like we had a couple of years ago. You'd want to throw a blanket over it or something. And if you do that, you can cut it back all the way, but you don't have to do that. Uh, let's see. I planted this Mexican plum in March. Other than just giving it liquid seaweed, is there anything else I should be doing? I love your show. Thank you, Shirley. Appreciate that. No, you don't have to do another thing. Uh, it's a young plant, uh, so you can't ignore, you know, its water needs in the winter, uh, even if it's, you know, been in for a while. If it's not raining for weeks at a time, you need to give it a good deep soaking every couple weeks, uh, and that's all I would do. You don't want to push plants this time of year. We don't want to push them. We want them to start going dormant naturally, which yours is doing. I can see by the leaves. All right, let's go to South Austin. Hey, Paul, how's it going? It's going well. How are you, Cheryl? Good, good, good. What's up? So uh, I've got this beautiful, big, mature mist flower. It's the biggest one I've ever seen in my yard. It's it's six feet tall, eight feet wide. Is it the white uh, one? Yeah, it's great. Yes, uh, butterflies I've... and bees love it. Oh, uh, lucky so it's it, it's in the process of blooming, kind of at the end of its bloom. Sadly, a little late for the monarchs to go through. But I'm trying to determine if I should uh, deadhead it uh, after it finishes bloom because we're in November, probably going to be closer to December when it's all said and done. You don't have to do anything to it. Yeah. Just leave it alone. I mean, if you want to shape it up for some reason, um, you could do that. Probably I'd wait till end of February, early March to give it a haircut if you need to. But, yeah, yeah no, there. you know what, what I forget to tell people, there are two different uh, species of the white mist flower. Uh-huh. One of them, like yours, gets to be humongous, and it can take full sun. And uh, the other one, like I have, is more of a trailing, um, low-growing one. And I can't remember the the different species uh, names right now. But, yeah, so you're lucky you got the big bush one. I've only seen one other one like that in one of my clients' yards over the years. But it was so stunning, and the smell is amazing. I, it's 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 like on the fence line. We get a lot of people, you know, commenting on it. And when, you know, if it's it tends to bloom right when the monarchs go through, but it didn't this year. It was a little late. Hundred percent. Same it, at my house. It. I kept thinking, why isn't that thing blooming yet? I think the the drought set them back a little bit. Yep. That's the only thing yeah. I could figure, but you're right. Usually that's one of the things that's in full bloom, but they were late this year. Yeah, it's true. No, I felt bad for the monarchs, but I've seen it where that plant, it was covered, covered oh. in, in butterflies, and it was it was kind of hard to take in. Yeah, actually. so there's, that's just awesome. They're awesome plants. That's one of my favorite plants in the whole world, so. Yep, yep, yep. Well, thank you. All right, sir. Thank you, and I appreciate it. And he's a lucky dog to have that plant. So, yeah, you can get it. Uh, the Texas Propagation Book question. We'll deal with that right after this. 
Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512-836-0590, pound 590 on your wireless, or toll-free 1-877-590-KLBJ. Okay, we are back. And if you want to join the show, 512-836-0590. That's a call or text number. And again, we have the toll-free line, which is 877-590-5525. The question here is, um, let's see here. Can you please share the Texas propagation book again? Evidently, Jeff mentioned a propagation book. Um, I mean, my go-to is How to Grow Native Texas Plants by Jill Noakes, uh, N-O-K-E-S. It's the Bible on how to grow anything native to Texas. And um, I don't know if, uh, what the availability of it. I've heard that it's available online. I mean, of course, I own a copy, so I don't, uh, I don't need to go looking up stuff like that. But if you're talking about oaks, and I think you mentioned that in one part of your post, um, there's no trick to, to, you know, growing oak trees, acorns. The only trick is if you pick up an acorn and it has a little hole in it, it's usually not going to be any good. Um, there's little critters that get in there and eat the insides of them. When I had a growing operation, I would gather these acorns, of course, and... Um, I would put them in a tub of water, and the bad ones floated and the good ones didn't. So, and we have so many acorns this year, but they're so little. I mean, because of the, you know, the drought and stuff. But, uh, God, there's millions of them. Uh, So, I don't know if they're going to be good, if they have had any, uh, anybody, you know, try to germinate them yet. But, uh there's no trick to it. There's no pre-treatment. You just have to be sure you get a good acorn that doesn't have a hole in it and stick it just barely under the soil and pointy top up. And there you go. I used to do them in concentric circles in large containers. You know, I'd plant just circles of them. And then when they sprouted big enough to transplant them, I would just slide them out of that uh, container and then put them each in their own pot. So they get a quick, long taproot uh, on an oak. So you want a deep pot, some kind of you know deeper uh, vessel than just a little tiny four-inch pot or something like that. Okay, let's see here. Um, here's a comment. El Nino... Extreme winter weather this year. Well, they don't. They're not committing to that. They're just saying it's possible that we'll have a, a wetter winter. I mean, that would be nice, huh? Um, but it's not that, you know, exact of a science. We'll just have to see how it plays out. But yeah, hopefully, it'll mean that we have a wetter winter that because we darn sure need that uh let's see here uh i saw a very large monarch butterfly on my texas lilac yesterday so they are still passing through 
Wow. We better get his behind to Mexico pretty soon here. But that's cool to know. Maybe I'll get one on now that my misflower and that caller's misflower is blooming. Maybe we'll see one. Uh, here's another text. Hi, Cheryl. I have a blue salvia camidrioides from my sister in East Texas. It's in a big clay pot and blooming. Will it survive uh, if we get a freeze later? Thanks. Well, anything in a pot is very vulnerable. I don't care whether it's a native plant or a tropical plant. Containers are just not insulated well enough to, um, you know, keep it from freezing in a really exceptionally hard freeze. So I think for, uh, for you to be able to move it into the garage or something, if you have to get a dolly or get some help with that, if we're going to have a hard freeze... If you simply can't deal with moving it, then you want to make sure that if we're going to get a hard freeze with no water precipitation uh, in it, uh, then you need to water it really well because the wet soil is more of an insulator. And then you could try to uh, cover it, you know, maybe with a little temporary greenhouse structure or something, you know, wrap it in blankets and what have you. But... Uh, typically, most of these big bush salvias are pretty, um, they're pretty cold hardy. So I think it'll be all right as long as you can maybe it just depends on the freeze, right? So we just don't know what we're going to get. Um, watch the weather. That's all. But yeah, this goes for all plants, including plants in the ground. If we're not getting rain for a good long while, say, and then it's uh, coming a hard freeze. Uh, the best thing you can do is wet down that soil. Make sure those plants are good and, and wet, especially young plants. Um, of course, you're not going to have to worry about your big old, you know, 200-year-old live oak. But, uh, you know, smaller plants and shrubs, the, the, the water in the soil. And also mulch everything, y'all. Two inches of mulch, that's my rule. Even though you'll hear people tell you to put six inches, that's just ridiculous. But I would at least put a couple of inches um, down, right? Okay, 512-836-0590. Call or text that number, or you can um, also use that toll-free line, which is 877-590-5525. So, again, I would... Um, just like to share my plants. I forgot to mention my uh, beautiful, um, the tree that for some reason I can't, smoke tree. Why can't I keep remembering that? <laughs> when I was talking about all these great blooming plants for fall recently, um, I, I have a great list of things that now if you're going out and you're wanting to uh, grab some of these plants on sale, these hardy perennials. Here's the plants that I love the most for fall, starting with, again, flame sumac, oak leaf hydrangea, not a native, but one of my favorites. It gets great fall color. White misflower, evergreen sumac, copper canyon daisy, Mexican bush sage, fall aster, it's blooming right now, Mexican marigold, 
Autumn Joy Sedum. Such a cool little plant. Uh, Gay Feather, Maximilian Sunflowers, Gulf Muley, and Greg's Mist Flower. Those are some of my favorites. And, of course, I mentioned trees earlier. You know, your, your native cherry trees, your red oaks, um, even things like your um, willow trees. Wild willow trees get pretty yellow color. They're one of the things that I, I love the most. So they're so pretty. Okay, let's go to the phone lines in Northwest Austin. WD, how you doing? Hey, good morning. Hey. I, uh... I have a wildflower question, but I, I have a humorous story about the Hill Country Water Gardens I'd like to share with you really quick. Okay. Uh, headed uh, from Leander back towards Austin years ago, uh, kind of stuck in some traffic. Must have been a wreck at 1431, and I was happened to be right in front of the Hill Country Water Gardens. And I was looking out the window and looking up and saw this great blue heron flying above the telephone poles. <laughs> and so... I'm looking at it, and then it's looking odd. I mean, I've seen enough of these herons. I know they're they're coloring, but there was some bright orange. And as I look closer, the bandit stole a koi from the water gardens, oh, probably, no. <laughs> and was headed headed east, I guess, to go and eat it. And I, I, it made my 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 time in the traffic more tolerable. <laughs> oh, you know? I bet that just. Drove them crazy. Don't you know? Oh, they're like, they're, those herons, they'll find you. If you've got a expensive, you know, big old koi fish, they're they're going for it, you know. Yep. They are relentless hunters. So, And I, they must lose a lot. I bet they do. You know? Well, anyway, what's your other question? Well, can is it possible to plant some wildflowers in a pot? Yeah, of course. Um. And are there any, um, uh, you know, you say you get a mixed packet of seeds and you can plant them in a pot, or do you have to go with any specific, you know, types of Well, of I mean, it depends on the size of the pot. I wouldn't do something with 26 varieties of, you know, wildflowers in them in a one-gallon container or even a five-gallon container. I think if, if I was going to do them in a pot, I'd probably try to get... Um, like for instance, you could do a pot, get, but get the starts of blue bonnets because it's a little bit late to get seed going for the winter. But you can put uh, the little four-inch pots of blue bonnets in in a container, and that would be beautiful. Or you could do uh, a combination of say gallardia and coreopsis, which would be beautiful. Um, but I wouldn't do a 20, like one of those really crazy mixes with a million things in it because it'll just be messy. Right. Okay. Well, that's good to know because um, I didn't want to prepare anything and I figured it might be getting late to throw some seeds yeah. out. And and truly, the only ones that need to overwinter would be blue bonnets, paintbrush, and flocks. All the other ones aren't going to germinate till spring anyway. Unless you have a growing, you know, a thing, you know, with heat and light and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty basic over here. Um, all right. Well, I got to do a break. Do you want to hold or do you want to go? I think I think you answered my question. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. We'll be back right after this. 
Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512-836-0590, pound 590 on your wireless, or toll free 1-877-590-KLBJ. Okay, we are back. And I got a couple of uh, uh, texts here to go through. Uh, but if you want to, you can still call 512-836-0590, call or text that number. Uh, is it too late to put out corn gluten? I'd like to overseed with winter rye. Uh, if I can do corn gluten, will it be too late to do the rye after waiting six weeks? Yeah, I think I'd do it the other way around. Um, if you If you... Are trying to get rid of some weeds. A rye is really good about just you know choking them out, um, so you may not have to do corn gluten. But if you want to, what I would do is go ahead and plant the rye right now, because once it germinates and it's up and growing, the corn gluten won't hurt it. So it should germinate within ten to fourteen days, right? So if you go ahead and plant your rye right now. Get it all up and, and going. Then if you still feel like you need to, then you can put the corn gluten down. Uh, because the corn gluten it doesn't affect plants that have already germinated. Uh, it only keeps seeds from fully germinating, right? But I think eight weeks would be more realistic as far as how long you'd have to wait. If you did the corn gluten right now, uh, two months from now, you know, it. I mean, you could do it. You could do it. I just don't see. I think you'd lose out a lot of time having the green that you're looking for. So that wouldn't be my my way of doing it. I'd go ahead and put out your rye. Uh, let's see. Is it too late now to plant a red yucca? And what do you fill the holes with where the plants have dug up, been dug up? Thank you so much. No, it's not too late to plant a red yucca. Um, I wouldn't plant a four-inch red yucca, but I would plant, if you can get a bigger one, um, I'd go ahead and put that in the ground right now. It's a good hardy perennial. We usually don't get our really hardest freezes until, you know, January, February. Uh, so it still has a good amount of time to get established. And be sure you just mulch it and don't ever let it get bone dry. But, yeah, what you fill the holes with is what you dug out of the hole. Uh, and you don't want to put uh, compost down on the bottom of the hole. You want to put it, if you're going to add compost just to improve the soil that you took out of the hole, uh, put it in the, just the top few inches and, you know, no deeper than uh, six inches. There's it, Then you'll get anaerobic decay if the compost isn't fully composted. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, good morning, Cheryl. I expected to hear you talking about butterflies this morning since I had at least eight monarchs on my blue mist flower Monday and Tuesday and just as many queens along with one gulf fritillary. I've also had a few each day since then. I love, live just south of the 360 bridge so close to you. Wow. Well, you know, I guess I just haven't been paying attention. Or maybe I don't have enough blooming in my yard to notice 
Um, but that is so cool. So, you know, the monarchs are still coming through. That's good to know. I uh, appreciate that information a lot. And yay for you. Blue mist flower is the way to go. Okay. Do I need to kill weeds before planting ryegrass? I would... I would weed eat them or mow them really low because just like anything you plant, ryegrass would like to have good soil contact, right? Any seed wants seed soil contact. So um, what you want to do is just get, yeah, get rid of the weeds and you can just weed them down to the ground. Uh, and if there's good amount of soil there, then you can go ahead and plant your rye. And it will help um, keep weeds out. I mean, rye gets really good and thick, and it can be a good way to improve your soil because the roots of rye will help open up the soil. And then it burns out, you know, in April, usually, when it gets too hot for the rye. And then you've got, uh, you know, some nice soil left there, and that's when it's a good time to plant other stuff. So it's really not a bad thing. The only thing, and this came up a couple of weeks ago, uh, you don't really want to put rye over an unhealthy sod that you have already. Like, for instance, if you have St. Augustine and it's not doing well, um, if you put rye on it, it can out-compete the St. Augustine. It can actually damage it. So... You want to be sure if you're planting, if you're overseeding, that you're overseeding with a, a good, uh, healthy turf underneath it. Like, for instance, Bermuda, you, you can't go wrong. You can just, I would just mow it down really low, then put your, um, put your ryegrass seed down. It's always good to kind of rake things around a little bit and create some little rough spots for your seeds so they'll hold. That goes for wildflower seed planting and all kind of stuff. Anytime you're planting seeds, you want to be sure there's a little bit of rough soil, little pockets where the seeds can lodge, and they don't go deep. You plant them very shallow, but, it, you know, as much soil contact as you can get is best. And then you can just gently water them in with a spray nozzle, you know, a soft spray nozzle on your hose. Just give them a light watering in, and then if we're not getting rain, it's good to kind of keep them moist every couple of days. Just give them a little light, not a soaking, just a light, you know, moisture. And that way it will, um, it'll just help with the germination. And when those little seeds come up, again, if we're not getting rain every once in a while, you might want to give them a little bit of water. And rye needs to be mowed in the winter, by the way. Uh, if you get, if you let it get it, too tall it's real tough you need to bring in a couple of goats if it gets too big so hey also want to remind you kevinwoodlandscapes.com if you need a project done go to the website kevinwoodlandscapes.com and check us out thank you so much see you next sunday